Okay, y'all. Good morning. Am I turned on? Am I good? Got the microphone working? All right. I have to double check every now and then because I have a problem with buttons, apparently. I don't get turned on. Uh, We're still in chapter six, as we have been since last week. We're going to we we're going to continue to talk about uh, prayer this morning, right? Well, there's nothing there's to me there's nothing more powerful than a person can do for themselves or for anybody else, and then to pray, talk to God, right, about anything and everything, and everything in between. Jesus is continuing his teaching on the mount, on the side of the mountain, from chapter five. Uh, all the way to chapter 6 now, and then we'll go on into chapter 7 as we get there. Taking a break next week, of course, for revival. Don't forget. I know you've been reminded a bunch of times. I'm going to remind you again because I don't want you to forget. Revival, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's a revival for Oak Grove Christian Church right here. <laughs> right? The reason I'm saying that is because uh, I think sometimes... Uh, a lot of times uh, we, we forget that the revival service is for the believers. It's for the church. It's really, it's really not intended for those outside the church. However, they're welcome and we encourage them to come. But it's primarily for us to be revived. That's what revival's about. So please plan to be here Friday, Saturday, and Sunday morning for revival. And please plan to bring friends, neighbors, and People you don't know, people you know, frenemies, <laughs> people you don't like, bring them to revival because it's always going to be it's going to be it's going to be a blessing. We're going to have some uh, music, uh, different ones are going to be singing throughout the weekend. We're going to have some prayer time and going to have some preaching and uh, so on and some barbecue if I didn't mention that already. So be ready for that as we continue this week. I want you to be in prayer about the revival, and I want you to pray that the Lord would have His way with our congregation leading up to the revival and then beyond. If we're not praying for each other, then we've already failed right out of the gate. That's like a horse being in the gate, ready for the race and just never leaving the gate when the gate's open, right, in the race. So we need to be sure that we're talking to God about the revival, first about self, help me be prepared for revival, and then second about our brothers and sisters in Christ here at the church, that we would also all be prepared for the revival for whatever God would want. And then thirdly, for those visitors and people in the community that may be able to come and participate in the revival and also our preacher as well when he comes. All right, that's my commercial for the revival. We, we just finished up uh, talking about giving last week. We talked about how Jesus was teaching the proper way to give, the proper motives behind giving, right? Remember and notice and be aware that everything that we've read about since chapter 5 to now, Jesus is describing what the kingdom of God is like, and he's also describing what the heart of the believer is about. Not what it should be about, not what you should be trying to do, right? Not, not what we should work hard at improving, but this is what the kingdom of God is like, and this is what the kingdom of God's people are, right? So now we're looking at motives of the heart when it comes to giving, and now when it comes to prayer. Chapter uh, 6 and verse 5 this morning, let's just read through verse 9. 
And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go, on, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. In verse 8, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And then in verse 9, He says, this then is how you should pray. So before we get into the how, let's get into the why, right? And maybe even the how not to pray, right? Because that seems to be what Jesus is pointing out. There's some familiarity, if we remember from last week, talking about giving to the needy or give, this is how you should give. And in a, in a similar way, we, we're, in our prayer life, should be like our giving life where it's to be done between us and God and what motivates us by the Spirit of God, right? How the Spirit leads us to do these, these things is what's important. If we're doing things like giving and praying for the world to see how righteous we are or how godly we are, then we have failed, haven't we? So the first thing we, we need to know when it comes to how not to pray is we're not to pray so that other people will notice it. Or we're not to pray to other people. We're talking to God when we pray. That's what prayer is, communicating with our Lord, the one who created all of the earth and everything in it and the universe and all of existence, you and me. That's what, the, that's what prayer is. Prayer is communication between the created and the creator. So there's no need to be discussing anything in your prayer life while your prayer is going on with someone else or toward someone else. There's no need to say a prayer so that everybody will get the message that you want them to get and, and dress it up like a prayer, right? If you've if you got something to say to people, just say it to them. But if you're talking to God, talk to God. That's what Jesus is saying. Or, there's no need to be praying to other saints, or other gods, or angels. That's not the way it works. So do a good study on the book of Hebrews, and you, you and I can both understand that Jesus and his death and resurrection set him up as the, the permanent high priest forever. There's no need to go through anyone else but Jesus to get to God. Right? So any conversation between you and some other being outside of these, this world is, is going to be fruitless. And it will ultimately end up taking you away from the Lord because your understanding of your communication, your prayer life, is faulty. So Jesus is saying, you're going to talk to God, and if you're talking to God, it's nobody else's business, really. It's between you and God, right? How about if I showed up to your house, sat down at, at, at your table or in your living room and started talking to somebody else on the phone <laughs> that'd be kind of awkward wouldn't it like what's he here for right what'd you come here for but I don't talk to you if we go into the presence of God right because that's what prayer is if we enter and, and and by the way if we again study Hebrews it says we can go in the presence of God with boldness and confidence our holy God knowing that the blood of Christ covers our sins and makes us presentable to him so that we can talk to him about anything and everything, good, bad, or everything in between. 
So if we're going to do that, then why would we be focused on anything or anyone else? Right? So he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. See, <clears throat> the pagan worshipers, they believed that if they would just chant the same thing over and over and over and over again, that the gods that they were praying to would just get fed up with it and do whatever it is they were trying to get them to do. So much so that they would harm themselves sometimes trying to get these gods to respond to them. Like literally harm themselves in bad ways. To the point where they were bleeding everywhere and suffering greatly because they were trying to get the gods that they believed existed to hear them and respond. Right? That's not the way our God is. There's no need for that. Our God desires a relationship with us. Our God desires to hear from us. In fact, he already knows what we're going to talk about before we ever show up in his presence in prayer. Right? So why would we do anything other than communicate with him about the things that are going on? She says they love these, these hypocrites. They love to stand in the synagogues and on the street corners to, to be seen by men. Because they were showing off how holy they were, or godly they were, or righteous they were, whatever it was in their mind. And I suspect that they were feeling the need to show people that so that they would listen to the teaching that they were the teaching in those days. Why would you listen to someone who doesn't appear to be godly? So we have to show everybody that we have this great relationship with, with, with God so that they would listen to our teaching, which is most of the time incorrect because that's what this whole sermon is about. Remember Jesus saying, you've heard it was said this, and, but this is what I say. He's correcting the, the bad teaching or the bad understanding of the fullness of the gospel. Right? And he says, don't be like that. God is a God who loves you so much that he would send Jesus to die on a cross, be resurrected so that you and I and every other person can be, have an opportunity to be reconciled to his holiness and enjoy his presence and not be afraid of him. Notice that's different than the fear of the Lord, right? The reverence of his holiness is different than being afraid to go and talk to him as if he hates you or is mad at you for some reason, right? There's two different things there, and we're going to get into that in just a moment. This is a casual, verse 7, look at verse 7. He says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. This is not a ritualistic, formal uh, situation between you and God. Jesus says this is casual. Pull up a seat in the presence of God and, and let's talk about what's on your heart, about what's on his heart, about his will, about his ways, about his son, about the sacrifice, about the blessings, about the holiness, about the greatness, about the sin, about the repentance. Let's just sit and talk about that. The greatest thing a parent could experience is when their children trust them enough to come to them about anything. Right? Good, bad, or everything in between. If your children are afraid to come to you, there's something wrong. 
And if we're afraid to go before our Father, not worrying about or caring about anybody else in this world and what they think about it, there's something wrong, isn't there? And if we have to have an audience for when we go in the presence of God and talk about the things, there's something wrong. It's not genuine. It's not real. And then another thing that not to do is we're not not going into a board meeting with God. Right? We're not going to sit around the room and God be the chairman of the board and the rest of us have an opinion and a vote. He's God. It's, it's our Father. He's Lord. He's King of Kings. God of Gods. Creator of all. Right? We're going into His presence to find out what He says and acknowledge who He is. Right? And what's even more amazing to me, I find out who I am by sitting in His presence. Not who I want to be, not who I thought I was, not who somebody else said I am, but who God says I am is what I want to know. Because that's where I want to live, and that's what I know honors God, and I know that that makes me love me more. Get it? And if the more I get in the presence of God and find out about him and find out who he says that I am, the more I desire to be there. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's like, hey, this is not a formal meeting. This is not something that you have to worry about and overly concern yourself about. Am I doing it right? Am I dressed right? Am I saying the right things? This is you and your heavenly Father, our holy God, the Almighty, who loves you more than any, any other being in the world could love any other being, wants you to be with him. It's why Jesus died on the cross so that you could be in his presence. That's how important prayer is. And that's what Jesus is pointing out. He's like, no, 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 no. There's nothing, first off, let me just say this. There's nothing wrong with saying pre-written prayers or saying the Lord's prayers we're going to get into in just a moment. Nothing wrong with that. It's not wrong to do those things. It's the attitude of the heart as we go into the presence of God. Right? And I try my best not to do this, but I've heard, heard other preachers do it, and maybe I have done it in the past inadvertently, but sometimes the preacher will say, now let us pray, and then he'll pray his whole sermon all over again. Is the preacher talking to you, or is he talking to God? Right? Now, that's, there's, it's, it's a fine line, and maybe the Lord will help us with it as we continue to preach and try to do right, you know, and try to pray right, and try to be genuine in what we're doing. There's a time when we come together as believers and go before God together. And it needs to be genuine, doesn't it? It needs to be who we are, not what we're trying to be and before God. Because if we try to go before God and try to be someone who we're not or try to present some uh, uh, matter of the heart that we're not or some, try to present some situation that's not real, we're just fooling ourselves. And we're setting ourselves up to be disappointed. Right? So, so just be careful that that's not who we are and we're not trying to pray that way because the reason why Jesus is saying these things and the reason, the reason why the, uh, the disciples were asking, we want to talk to God the way you talk to God. How do we do that? 
I, I want to talk to God in a way that I know he's hearing me. In a way that I know he wants me to talk to him. Wouldn't, that, wouldn't you agree with that? Isn't that the way you want to talk to God? If I said who wants their prayers heard, who's going to raise their hand? Anybody? Raise your hand if you want your prayers heard. Everybody should raise your hand. Now I don't care if God hears my prayers or not. Talking, these are the things that we're going to, we're going to, are going to be laced within this Lord's Prayer, the, the, the Lord's Prayer that we see here. The importance of prayer, right? Because you can't, you can't live the Christian life without talking to God. This is not, okay, I'm going to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I'll catch you when I get there, Lord, kind of thing. It's not the way it works. The importance of prayer is that you have this communion, this fellowship with God, the Creator, the one who sent Jesus to die for you. So then he shows us the elements of prayer, and then maybe we'll get to the partner of prayer, but probably not in depth, because it'll probably end up in the next sermon that I preach, which will be week after next Sunday, right? So just know that all of this is coming. So here it is, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. This then is how you should pray. Understanding how not to pray, okay, well, how do we pray then? Here it is. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also forgave, uh, forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, how, raise your hand if you were either mem- made to memorize that or just chose to memorize it. Everybody in here, just about everybody can you may not be able to recite it by yourself, but once you get somebody else with you and they get going, you can, you can follow along because it's familiar, isn't it? And it is not, in no way it is, is it wrong to say those words written the way they are as a prayer. It is very appropriate to say those as a prayer because Jesus said that this is, what you should, this is how you should pray, right? So it's those words in that order, it's not wrong. But what is Jesus really trying to present here for the believers? Because if, if he was saying, this is how you should pray, and these are the words that you should say to God every time you go to him, then those are the only words we would ever say to him, right? So he's not, he couldn't have been saying, these are the words that you should say when you go to God. However, they're not wrong. He's saying, this is the way that you should approach God. This is the manner in which you should have a conversation with him and how you should present yourself. And the, the heart of the matter should be about these things. Basically, a formula, so to speak, or a structure of how you should approach God. Let's break it down a little bit. First, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's the simple recognition of God and his holiness. And who he is in relationship to you or me or us, especially us. Notice he says, our father. The fact that the first word is our father indicates that Jesus thinks it's important that we recognize that we are a family. And that there's nobody who's going to be a Christian by themselves. Right? Jesus didn't only die for me. Jesus died for everybody or as the young people say Jesus died for everybody that's how young people say it now everybody (laughs) all all, all the older people are like that didn't even make any sense just makes you cool when you say it that way he says our father the one God 
who loves everybody, our Father, Lord, talk to Him as if He loves you. Talk to Him as if you have a relationship with Him. When I call my dad on the phone, I don't say, hey, Bernie, what's happening? I say, hey, Dad, what's going on? Because he's my dad. When my son calls me on the phone, he says, what's up, Pop? Because he's cool. That's what cool kids say. But it's a relationship that we have. It's who we are to each other. Yeah, he's holy and he's the creator God. He's the almighty king of all kings. But he's also the father that loves me. So why wouldn't I say, Father in heaven? Why wouldn't I say to him, Lord Jesus, my Father in heaven, holy God? Why wouldn't I acknowledge all of that? Not just his holiness, not just his perfectness, not just his amazingness, just making up words now, but his relationship that we have. Right? And then he says, hallowed be your name forever and ever. Your existence, your holiness, your greatness, your amazingness, all those things I just made up, words, let them forever be true. Let it forever be true in my heart and in my mind and in, those, in the hearts and minds of those around me. Just not, you're not giving him permission to be holy. You're just saying what's true. You're acknowledging there's no one greater than you. And, and you're my father. Right? Then, he, then the next thing he, uh, Jesus sets up is we're going to align our will with his will. And then all the scriptures we've been studying in Sunday school and all the scripture that gets misunderstood and misapplied start to come into place. Because as long as I'm putting my heart and my will in line with his will then ask whatever you wish in my name. Remember those scriptures? Too many for me to read off this morning. But the Bible does say, Jesus does teach, if you ask anything in my name, I'll make it happen. And it's because we're saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. As a fact. Right? He's saying, whatever it is, Lord, that you and your kingdom desire for this world and myself and those in my family, that's what I want. And we're establishing the conversation right away. We're falling in line with him as our Lord. Who's our father? Who's our king? Who's our awesome, awesome father? Right? Your will be done on earth, here, as it is in heaven, as it is anywhere else in existence. Right? Now, who lives in the world? Who lives in the earth? Raise your hand if you live in the earth. So that means your will be done here in your heart also. Let your will be done, Lord, in my heart as it is in your presence. Don't let me walk away from you in this, out of this prayer and start doing something different than what you want. So we're, we're, at, we're saying, Lord, we're recognizing him. We're aligning our will with his will. And then here's, here's what it says. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily six words. God's provision for what? Now, I like bread. I like all kinds of bread, especially that bread that comes with a little cinnamon butter and whatever. 
But why is Jesus talking about bread all of a sudden? Right? Our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Every day, because you can drink water every day, couldn't you? You could fast, and we're going to talk about that pretty soon. So brace yourself. You could drink water every day and do nothing but drink water every day, but how long do you really think that the human body would put up with that? I don't remember the scientific truth about it, but it's a little while. But it's, it's not forever. How many? Maybe. It's not forever. You can't just drink water physically and live. You've got to put some food in, don't you? But Jesus isn't talking about physical things here. Hasn't, hasn't been talking about physical things since he jumped up on the mountain and said, okay, let's talk about the kingdom of God. He's been talking about spiritual things the entire time. And that's what the problem was. They were applying everything, the law, to the physical matters of life and not applying them to the spiritual things. So when he says, give me today my daily bread, he's saying, okay, I just said uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, okay, if your will be done in my life, in my heart, in my ministry, in my witness for the kingdom of God, then I'm going to need, Lord, for you to give me, to provide for me the things that I need to complete that task. And the breath to complete a sentence, apparently. Because I just ran out of bread. Right? It's like, okay, Lord, I want to do your will. I want to do exactly what you created me to do, what you've called me to do, what Jesus died for me to do. But I know that I need for you to give me the things that I need to do it. So give me today my daily bread. The things that I need today to com continue to live in your will. You see, it's not a board meeting. You're not going in and saying, Lord, uh, I, think, I, think, uh, I don't think we're going to witness today. I think we're just going to go off and uh, let's, let's just make it a self day. It's all about me today. All in favor, say aye. And everybody in the room can say aye, but God says uh, no. Not going to happen. Because it's not a board meeting like that. So we're coming in and we're just simply saying what we've already said when we said we believe that Jesus is the Christ and we want him to be our Savior. We're simply saying what we're already trying to fall in line with. Your will be done. And I'm already knowing that I'm going to need some things from you, Lord, to be faithful to that. Because nobody in this room and nobody in existence can do the will of God without Jesus. Can't preach a message can't sing songs, can't uh, do a devotion, you can't have fellowship in a way that honors God, you can't go out in the world and, and, and witness for the gospel without Jesus and without the resources that God would give you. Like the spiritual gifts, like the talents, like your personality, right? Like the courage and the strength to persevere and be faithful and continue on when the world spits in your face because you love Jesus. Right? I need from God whatever it is I need to get the job done for today, my daily bread. And that includes fighting off temptation and repenting from sin. Because repentance takes a lot of courage. Right? It doesn't take much courage to sin because you're thinking about self. Right? It takes courage to repent and say, you know what, God? I messed up. I chose self. And then, so after that, Jesus says, okay, we're going uh, to address some barriers in the relationship that we might have between us and God. We've got to deal with the things that are on the table that we're trying to ignore. 
right? Some of y'all are trying to check out because you know what we're about to read and you don't want to talk about it. Because I'm like that too some, from time to time. We don't want to talk about it because it means we have to do the hard things. What does it say? Y'all know where we are. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, our sins. See, NIV, use, NIV uses the word debts. You go over to, to Luke. When Luke uh, talks about the Lord's Prayer, he uses the word sin, I believe. Different words, same thing. But he says, forgive us our debts. In other words, we have to stand before this holy God who knows everything already, who we've acknowledged, who loves us, who we've submitted to completely, who we depend on for our daily bread, and we have to admit what he already knows, and that is that we have failed him in some way, form, or fashion. Sometimes it's uh, vague. Sometimes it's just a general, you know, I know, I know who I am, and I know that I'm one that have failed you, and I know I'm living by your grace through the blood of Christ. Praise God for that. But other times you're standing before him, and you're like, Lord, I, I, I messed up just two minutes ago. Bad. And you're falling on your face, bawling. You can't handle it. You're broken completely because of the sin that you've committed, that I've committed. And if we don't have a relationship that's developed, a nurturing our relationship that's healthy with our father, that we can go before him falling on our face like David did when he sinned with Bathsheba. Remember that? And he got called out. God called him out and said, you're the guy, David. You're the one who's offended God. And here's what's going to happen. And he fell on his face and prayed and fasted until God answered that prayer because he was remorseful because he realized and it was because everything that we've read up until now in the Lord's prayer was true in his heart he knew that God is holy he knew that God is almighty and all-knowing and all-powerful he knew that God was perfect and a just God that demand payment for the sins committed against him he knew all of that but he also knew that his God loved him the reason I know that is because he fell on his face before him, asking for mercy. Right? And if we believe that Jesus is the Christ and that his death and resurrection was uh, payment and, uh, enough for our sins, for any sin that we could ever commit, then why wouldn't we go before our Holy Father, the one who loves us, and, ask, and say it? I've, I've, I need forgiveness. I once again need your grace. Hebrews chapter 4. We can go before the throne of God with boldness and confidence because of Jesus. It's a little quiet in here when I said that. Y'all should be excited. Y'all should be praising God because of that right there. Because we can go to our Father and just say, forgive my sins. I failed you. And if I were you... I would say whatever it is specifically. This is, there's no need to worry about anybody else because you're not out in public, right? It's you and God sitting down talking. You're like, God, I, I, this is what it is. And you know what it is. And you know why it is. And now we're back to giving me my daily bread. Give me the strength. Give me whatever it is I need to get away from this. Right? Otherwise, if we can't get past this point, the whole rest of this prayer is is, is a failure because if we can't get to the point where we can ask God for forgiveness and receive the forgiveness that we know we are, are, are allowed to have 
then we don't really think that he's our Father in heaven and we don't really hold his name reverent and we don't really want his will to be done in our hearts as it is in heaven. Because we don't really want to repent. Notice it says, and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Great. It's, t- it's hard, isn't it? Because every time we read this scripture right here, every time we read, when God says we have to forgive somebody else, we have trouble in our hearts. Because it's hard. Because instantly, we all have a list of people that have offended us. Right? You don't have to answer that out loud. It's true. It gets, it gets better. We'll, get, we'll come back to that in just a moment. He goes on and says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Recognizing, here's where we're recognizing in our time with God that we are who God created us to be. We are who God says we are in Christ. But we're also recognizing without Christ, we don't have what we need. And Lord, there's some things out there that are calling my name. And if you don't help me, I can't, I, I, I don't know what, I can't, I, I don't know how to get away from it. I don't know how to say no to some things. If I did, it wouldn't be a temptation, would it? And I've said this before, and your revival preacher is liable to say the same thing, because that's where I got it from. Nobody's ever been tempted by something that turned their stomach. Everything looks good. When you sin, it's because you want something. So help me not be tempted, Lord, so I don't have to go back to the verse before that. And ask for your forgiveness. When I know that Jesus died so I wouldn't have to be dead in my sins. Doesn't this prayer get real serious real fast, doesn't it? Everybody wants to live in the first part of it, doesn't it? Our Father who art in heaven. He's our Father. He loves us. He's great. He's awesome. God is good all the time. We love to say that. And it's true. We should say it. (laughs) Your kingdom come and your will be done. Well, of course. If he's a loving God and he loves everybody, of course I want his will to be done. Do we really? Because his will is, is that I don't do the sinful things that I've been doing. But I, 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 self, in the flesh, want to do the things that I've been doing that are sinful. So now we're running into some trouble here. Because God, by the way, has already given you your daily bread every day. He gives it to you. Faithful with it, too. Give it to you whether you ask for it or not. Right? Anytime I don't have what I need for the day to serve the Lord, it's because I've wasted it on something else or I just let it sit there. Right? So, so okay, so this doesn't, does this, rec- does this resemble our prayer time? Don't answer that. It's between you and the Lord. Does it resemble your prayer time every day? Does this resemble the way that you talk to God every day about everything? We should be talking to God as if he's right here with us all the time. Not like we got to dial a phone number. Not like we got to go looking for him, got to stand in line. No. He's right there all the time. Might as well talk to him. Might as well live like, might as well live this prayer so that every time you say something to him, all these things are in order that Jesus presented to us. <laughs> Lead us not into temptation, 
That means if we're following Jesus, following the Holy Spirit, like it's uh, explained in Galatians, keeping step with the Spirit of God, then we will not be led to temptation. We will be led away. See, here's the best preventative of temp for temptation for me personally. When I'm focused on God and what he's doing in my life and in the world around me, how can I be looking over there at the things that don't honor him? If I'm looking at God, how can I be looking at sin? Right? I know some of these uh, mothers in the world have eyes in the back of their head to see what their kids are doing while they're not looking. But that's not the way it is spiritually. If I'm looking at the sin, if I'm tempted, it's because I've taken my eyes off of what I'm supposed to be looking at. Spiritually. And maybe even sometimes physically. But you gotta, you got to stay focused on the mission, on making disciples, on the Christian life, on serving God, on living for the Lord, on the people who you're praying for. Because the moment you're tempted, it's because for just that moment, because you remember God said, Adam and Eve, don't eat that apple. You can do anything else in this whole garden, just don't eat that, oh, that tree right over there. Don't even mess with it. And if they would have never looked at that tree, not one time, they would have never sinned. Wouldn't you, believe, wouldn't you agree with that? But it's just like, just like when we were kids, Mom said, don't do that. And you're like, don't do what? Don't do that over there. Oh, well, what is that? I've got to go over there and do it now. Why didn't they tell me to do that? If you, if, if we learn as parents, it's like this reverse psychology. Tell them to do what we don't want to do, and then they won't do it. <laughs> don't go clean that room up now. I'm going to clean that room up anyway. I'll show her. <laughs> And here's the last thing. He says, deliver us from the evil one. I'm going to try to wrap this up in a couple minutes. I know it's getting a little bit long, but it's important. Deliver us from the evil one. We talked about in Sunday school this morning. It is not Satan's fault that you sin. He plays a part, but it's not his fault. He's not responsible. God's not responsible. You and I are responsible for the sins that we commit. If that weren't true, we would not need Jesus. So let's just clear it all up. And let's just say what it is so that we can be in line with the way Jesus told us to talk to God. Y'all good with that? So we need God to deliver us from the evil one, which tells me that Satan is bigger than me. Satan is more powerful than me. I'm no match for Satan, which tells me I have no business trying to engage with him about defeating him. Not my place. In fact, the Bible tells us to flee from sin. The Bible tells us to call out on the Lord and focus on him and the Satan will have to flee from us. The only one that will defeat Satan is God himself. And the answer to that answer to that prayer was Jesus, wasn't it? All right, let me finish this up real quick and then we'll be done. Here it is, verse 14 and 15. Here's the part where everybody skips. I won't say everybody, generally. Here it is. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Told you we were going to go back to that, right? Why is it here again? Why is he saying this part twice? Forgiveness is the key to it all, isn't it? Because you and I needed forgiveness from God. Desperately. And his name is Jesus. That was a dramatic pause right there, y'all. 
If you forgive men, if you, people, he's talking, Jesus is teaching people, and, and he's teaching us through the scripture, if you forgive men, meaning other people, what it says, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now let's stop right there and let's praise the Lord and just live happily ever after, right? But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I love y'all. I do. And I don't want y'all to be mistaken about the gospel and about salvation. All right? This is where we got to go back to God and say, like, Lord, I need daily bread. Because there's some people in this world that have offended me that I have a hard time with. And there's no way that you and I can forgive the way that God does. Not without his help. Not without our daily bread. Not without whatever it is we need to do that. God will never tell us to do something that's impossible for us to do. He's not going to set you up to fail. He's going to set you up to win. So when he says to forgive... That's what we do. And if you're having a hard time with that, the best thing I can do is tell you to go back to the top of this prayer and start, to go, start again until you can. Because the only way you're going to get what you need to be able to forgive is to go back to God and say, Lord, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Make sure you're right with him and ask him to help you get right with others. Because he's the one that makes it all possible, isn't it? Isn't this awesome, this prayer? It's so much more than just, let's say the Lord's Prayer together and, and feel like we're Christians, right? Let's, and I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying it's, it's deeper than that. Jesus has laid it out there for the people to understand this is what the kingdom of God is like. And this is important for you to understand that without forgiveness to be in the right place in our hearts, you can't be in the kingdom of God. Now, I wish that y'all would jump up and down and shout and say hallelujah and amen because we understand that and we get it, right? And we know that we're forgiven and we know that it's Jesus. But I also pray that if it needs to hit you in the face and wake you up, I pray that's what it does. Because I need it to hit me in the face. Right? Jesus ain't sitting on the side of the mountain just having a tea with these people he's looking at these people and he knows that they're going to hell if he don't tell them what, truth, what the truth is and it don't make any difference if he went to the cross or not if they don't believe it and don't fall in line with it it doesn't matter we're getting ready to have revival y'all right I'm looking forward to it I have a good time at revival because one I get to sit and listen to somebody preach two if we do it right, we can eat afterwards. But three, and most importantly, is when the whole body of Christ, the whole congregation can come together before our holy God and say, God, our Father, you are holy, and we just need our daily bread because we want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want your will be done in this community. We want you to use us to do it. We want you to help us to show forgiveness to the world as you've shown it to us. We want you to keep Satan away from us and we want you to keep us away from temptation.
That's what revival's about. It needs to happen every day in our homes, but every year we have revival, that's what it's for. You get revived, you get on fire for the Lord again because you've experienced new forgiveness and new grace. And you're going out in the world, and it's like, yeah, I forgot, I forgot to tell you, you're saved. If you want to be saved, you can be forgiven. What am I saying? Y'all ready? If you're not ready, I'll talk about it some more. Look, if you're, not, if, you, if, you, if you're not saved, if you don't understand what salvation is, come talk to me or somebody else. If you know what it is and you've just been fighting it, right? You've just not fallen in line with his will, right now's the time. Don't nobody, don't wait. Ain't no need to wait. This is why Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, so we know what the kingdom of God is like. Let's stand together and sing.